All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. You got me today, your boy Zage, and this week joined by a new friend, someone inspiring, in my opinion, with a very exciting story that I think you guys will love to hear, um, filled with turmoil and excitement and fulfilling passion, success, all of the above. Um, so this week, everybody welcome a new friend, Jack Dugan. Thanks for having house. me. Mm-hmm. Um, Excited to be here. So Jack and I have had a few classes together at USC, but I definitely like found myself most interested in you in Kevin's class. I will admit in our law class, so we have a music law class, it's a very brainiac class, Jack had all the answers. Jack was the one. <laughs> but I didn't do that great in it. Nobody did. Don't get me wrong. Nobody did. But you and uh, our professor, Goldstein, who's like a legend in the music industry, you guys had some good banter, which I appreciate. Well, he just likes it when you call him out. He really does. Yeah. He kind of has a fetish for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I appreciated uh, your energy in that class. And then cool. the following semester, Kevin's class, branding, we spent an entire semester learning how to brand things. And at the end, you and very few other people chose to brand themselves, mm-hmm. which I thought was really like cool. Yeah, I was you did say, too. Yeah, I also did. Yeah. I don't want to flex or nothing, <laughs> but I, I thought it was super cool. I thought that, in my opinion, that was like the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, really exactly. like what's more powerful than branding yourself, you know, like really letting people know who you are and everything. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about yeah. what and you Demonstrate some self-awareness class. and it's like, cool. It's like you set yourself on a good path when you know how to sort of brand yourself a little bit. Well, it's agree. not too extra, but it's like. That's how Kevin pitched it. Kevin yeah. was like, if you want to have some self-reflection yeah. and like, just like learn more about yourself, this would yeah. be a good time to do that. And Absolutely. I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, so just to lead things off, tell everybody where you're from, uh, a little background of how you got to LA, why you're at mm-hmm. USC and uh, stuff like that. All right. Uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I was adopted and raised outside of Washington, DC in a town called Bethesda, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right on the border of DC. So yeah, I say I'm from Maryland, but I grew up basically in DC. Okay. Um, and then I went to the University of Miami for two years and I was studying just kind of a basic major, just uh, undeclared for the first year and then communications the second year. And, but I always knew that I wanted to apply to a music school. I just knew when I was in high school that I wasn't good enough at that time to get into the kind of institution that I wanted to get into. Oh, so for I, music. Yeah, exactly. So I decided I wanted to go somewhere that had a music, a better music scene. Mm. In that case it was Miami for electronic music. And then I worked my ass off to just like, you know, get better at music and get better at music, apply to different schools. Ended up getting rejected from pretty much every music school that I applied to uh, <laughs> after freshman year. Right. And then I was like, oh, cool. Like maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Like okay. let's take another year and like really like figure it out and hone in on the craft. That's so interesting. Where did you apply? I applied to NYU. It's like the, the legit the, the East Coast ones, basically. Okay. I didn't know anything about USC, really. Like, I came out here and I looked at USC when I was applying to colleges. Like, not for music school. But I was like, ah, LA is like a, too big of a city for me right now. It's just felt overwhelming. And it was like 108 degrees when I came. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, and we had no like guided tour either. And we just kind of like walked around the campuses. I was like, I'm never coming here. Yeah. And then uh, one of my... Like good family friends, uh, like and our neighbors, their niece um, went to USC and she was visiting for the summer and like had an internship out in DC, and she, um, like they were like, oh, you should like meet someone your age in the neighborhood, whatever. Like you don't know anyone in DC because you're from California, of course. And um, she saw that I was like kind of wanting to get to music school and didn't really know like. What I was, it was not, I don't want to sound happy at Miami by any means, but that first year was kind of tough. And then, so she's like, you should look at USC. I was like, oh, I'd never really considered that. So I did some research on the program. And then that whole sophomore year, I just was grinding full mode on, on getting my portfolio together, getting songs together, had had some, like a little bit of success with music starting. So I had a, a stronger portfolio. I already had the base of the common app. I already had other applications that were, I'd put in. So I like was able to really refine the application, and then the last one I applied to was USC, and I got in. You so. covered a lot of information in uh, your introduction. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. So quickly though, you think that your portfolio is what really got you into USC above all? No, I think it's the combination of uh, was my the experience that I had, and like the 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 way in which I framed it, honestly. Um, and, you know, you have to make those videos, too, mm-hmm. or just like, oh, like, pitch yourself and, like, what's your experience and what you want to do and how can USC help you with it? And I just, like, tried to show as much, like, passion and just, like, uh, you know, articulate really what I wanted to do at that time. Mm-hmm. And 
had a very clear definition of how USC was going to help me on that ladder to it. And I think that that's really, at the end of the day, what, um, and I got my GPA up. That was a big thing. I think oh, that nice. was also why I didn't get into a couple of the schools was that my GPA wasn't quite as strong. Okay. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it was just like, wasn't, I was always like, oh, I'm doing music. I'm not really like focused on school. Sure. And so I was like, okay, like now we have to really balance, like learn to balance the things. And that's when I started getting pretty disciplined and like waking up early and getting music done before class and then having, getting my work done as quickly as I could so I could work on more music. And then that whole semester was just really... Laid the foundation for everything, honestly. I never focused too hard on my GPA either, so yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, I also think that the video submissions are really what push everybody into the program here, mm -hmm. especially transfers. Yeah. For some reason, I have a firm belief that when you're transferring into USC, they take those like vlog submissions yeah. very seriously. Yeah. They really want to know who you are. Because yeah. like, I don't know. I think all the transfers that I've met are pretty like genuine, real people. Yeah, I think they, they kind of like... In my opinion, they know. I don't know how they know, but they they, they have, do, and they have to figure it out. They really do figure it out. <laughs> well, it's because um, I was talking to Mike Garcia, and he was just like, "Yeah, you know, I have like twenty five hundred applicants or whatever." It's insane. And he's like, "I can only pick twenty five. It's insane. And uh, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like I didn't know the number of people that actually apply to this thing. Mm -hmm. He was just saying that's freshmen, and I'm sure that there it's as many exactly. You know, it's as many in transfers. Like, it's a, it's dude, mind boggling. It makes me yeah, feel very special. You know, it, I think about that all the time and how lucky I'm to be here. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I, I especially in terms of like what you said, the GPA. My GPA was not like amazing. You know? Yeah. So I, I yeah. feel very lucky to have made it here for sure. Um, you mentioned very quickly that you were adopted. At what age mm -hmm. were you adopted? Just one month. Oh, know? okay. I okay. was. Uh, my mom was young, uh, my parents were young, and they knew they were going to put me up before I was born, so uh, they found an adoption agency, got the cash together, and then uh, I guess my parents, uh, who adopted me, uh, will, I'll refer to my you know, birth parents as my birth parents and my parents as the people who raised me. 100%. And um, they were put in connection with it, like the adoption agency, like my parents knew they wanted to have a kid, like wanted to have another kid in the family and, and adopt. So they found an agency and then the agency connected them, I guess. And my birth mom got a few profiles and chose my parents and then they flew down and grabbed me and brought me back. So you have siblings with your parents. Yes. That are not. Yes. I have an older sister who's okay. uh, biological to my parents. Okay. Yeah. But it's really weird. Cause it's like, I look like, I'll show you a photo afterwards. Yeah. I look like my family. Okay. That's really exciting. And that talking to my birth mom, she's like, that's why, that's half the reason I chose them. It would make it a lot easier on you and them. That's exactly what she was like. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted you to be able to fit in. And like, they seemed like nice and had everything together and like loving and, and, and also, which they, all of the, those, they are all of those things, but especially that she wanted to make sure that I like was going to fit in. Your birth mother? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you've reconnected with her, obviously? Yeah. I found her the semester I transferred out to USC, actually. Okay. What was that? Why'd you do that? Um, <laughs> what inspired that? Yeah. So I, I just, had all this curiosity in general about my ethnicity. Um, I lived abroad for a year in high school. Where'd you go? I was in Spain for nine months um, in a study abroad program. It was not an exchange program, but uh, I had a lot of international friends already before. I just seemed to get along better with international people for whatever reason yeah. in high school. Uh, and, you know, they talk about their culture and they're like, oh, what are you? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just adopted, right? <laughs> and uh, so funny. I was always like kind of curious and I did like Ancestry.com to figure it out finally. And uh, and I did 23andMe too just for the health breakdown. So I did, did both, both of these things. Wow, yeah, okay. I know. Well, you know, why not? when you have a lot of questions about your, your past, it's like, why not just do both? Because they provide slightly different answers, like not uh, slightly different, uh, I guess, views on on the i know you're saying like the uh, testing i, I want to say demographics but that's not right. yeah it's, it's not like but you know what I'm talking about. The like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slightly different lens you know yeah, yeah. and it, and i wanted to get as much information as i could and then i put on my profile like because it's like kind of like a social media too i don't know if you've done any of these things i actually yeah. haven't so it's basically they they connect you with people who share a percentage of your chromosome like your genetic makeup right so they'll be like you share eight percent of your whatever chromosome with this person, and we think they're your like third cousin with like a sixty percent degree of certainty, right? So they're kind of That's like insane, yeah. yeah, right. So you just get this big list of people that you've never seen before, being like you're like related to this person, right? <laughs> That's so yeah, crazy. and uh, and I put on my profile just like yeah, hey, like. I'm adopted, like, maybe that's why you don't recognize me. Like, obviously, I didn't know who knew who or whatever. But, like, this is the info I have, like, half of which was wrong about my adopted parents, about my birth parents. And uh, 
this is what like I know, and obviously I'm not really looking, but if you have information, I'd love to know anything. The information you had gathered so far, had that been from From your... my adopted parents, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because okay. um, they, they had always told me growing up that I was adopted, so it was like, it was something that I, earliest memories, like, knew about my okay. life, so. And I'm really glad that was the way that they brought me into it. I think that's unique. Yeah. I have cousins who are adopted, and I don't think they were told until pretty late into huh. their life and yeah. it definitely affected them negatively. Yeah, no, it's not a good thing. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, it was tough for me too. I had my own like, you know, uh, uh, battles with it at various points in my life. But of course. Uh, no, the way my mom did this was just like fucking awesome. Like she, she's, she's probably the most creative person in my family. Like, so she sang, sang in the choir and she likes to paint and watercolor and she's just artistic. Sure. And she made this like scrapbook. Oh, it's called like Jack's Story. And so it was kind of just like wow. once upon a time there was a family of three and they like, you know, just like a straight storybook about how I came into their life. And so she would read that to me when I was really little. That's amazing. As like a bedtime story. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was always kind of framed in this way. Like we always like wanted someone and like you came into our life and, and that really helped me, oh, uh, you know, that's so flip nice. the switch when I was having issues with it uh, coming into you know middle school and high school, like understanding Teenage that. Angst. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of understanding it, but it, it they had ingrained it enough in me that I, for whatever reason, I was able to flip the switch and turn that all that angst into that complete gratitude that Ugh. of my situation and understand it too. Yeah. And anyway, so back to the, the how I found my birth mom, she had not done one of these tests, so she did not show up on the list. But I basically, like I said, I put all this information. Were you hoping um, that she would? You know, I don't know that I was hoping, but I was. I certainly scrolled through it, being like, oh, I wonder. Um, but. She would have been right at the top, so she wasn't there. Right. Uh, How crazy would that yeah, have been? That would have been pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And I've joked about it with her since, being like, "Yeah, you know, if you'd done one, like if you'd done it, like it would have been a lot easier to find you." you right. right. <laughs> it's true, yeah. though. And then she's like, "No, I feel bad. Like I wanted to do it." I was like, "No, no, it's okay. Like we're here now. It's fine." Um, <laughs> like kind yeah. of a joke, not yeah, a joke. No, yeah. But that's like how our relationship is. It's, Definitely. it's awesome. And so. Funny. This woman reaches out. I did this test in June, by the way. So I had just gotten into USC. This is over the summer before I come. 2017. 17. So I, because I transferred to lost a semester and then I took that that semester off for music, right? Okay. So I'm graduating in May now. But so this three is like semesters fifth, at Miami? Two, uh, two years at Miami. Two years, so four semesters? And then three years here. But two in, I guess. Okay. No. Just yeah. trying to figure out where the gap was. Yeah. So it was right yeah. before you came here? No, there was like not really a gap. Like I went straight from two years at Miami to first semester oh. at USC. Didn't you just say semester off? Yeah, but I lost a semester of credits. Now I see. So it. then I was going to graduate in fall okay. of uh, 2019 instead of spring of 2019. Okay. And then when I took the other semester off from music, that pushed it back to now spring of 2020. Okay, I right. follow. So uh, I do this test in June of 2017. And then I get to USC and... You know, it's transfer, and, like, I left all my friends on the East Coast. I knew no one really in L.A. Like, just my cousin had been out here, and he was doing film, and he was older. And, you know, it's like we – he's great, too, to see him every once in a while, but it's not like I'm going to be hanging out with him all the time. He's not around USC. And <clears throat> then this woman reaches out to me via 23andMe, who had done a lot of work on her family tree. So, you know, she had all these connections and way far back and Some like way wide, right? You know, mm -hmm. so people are in, in the game, know. you know, like I, about this well, thing. One of my yeah. grandpas is like that. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, like, you know, I read your bio and I really want to help you find your birth parents. And like, because someone in her family, I think, was adopted or something. And, and it was a good experience for them. I can't remember. She just had whatever agenda to like want to help drive. me, right? Yeah. 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 And dope. I was like, all right, like right on. Like she's done some research and like maybe we can figure this out. Like how if we're related, how like where that link is. Right. And then I can go from there. Then it became readily apparent that that wasn't going to happen. Cause she was like a fourth cousin from like New Mexico. Okay. And looking back on it, there was no way we would ever have figured it out. Sure. But once, you know, two weeks go by and there's not really anything turning up at all. And I was just like, God, like I really just made an effort like to find my birth mother or my birth parents or whatever. Um, I should just reach out to other people. You know, because I had kind of been letting her do a lot of the work and, and I was had my own things with school and transfer and all that other stuff. Right. It was a new environment. So there's a lot of like stimulus going on in my in my in my head. <laughs> Did your mom and dad know that you were doing all this? Uh, no. OK. But they knew I'd taken the tests. Right. How did um, you think they would feel if you told them that you were reaching out? I didn't really know. Um, I think they always like I, I've talked about it to them since. And they said that they always knew that one day we, I would reconnect uh, and they're. They've been amazing since it. Basically, they, um, 
I just have to make sure that I'm very transparent with my communication with both sides of my birth mother and with my parents so that no one feels like they're being replaced or no one feels like I'm valuing one over the other. It's like, it's really one of those things where it's like when some, when important people come into your life, like it doesn't take away from the love that you have for other people. Your heart just gets bigger. Right. It's a really amazing way of viewing it. Yeah. I completely agree, but I could see how it's a pretty sensitive subject. Yeah. Especially to like, you know, people have their insecurities and then Bethesda, Maryland's not like, it's a pretty pretentious place and people like, you know, it can be toxic. And like some people ask my parents like, Oh, like, how do you feel about it? Like kind of like charged. Right. It's like, Oh, like, do you feel like he's replacing you? And I'm like, Oh, like absolutely not. So then I try to make sure that I have such good communication with my parents about it that no matter what anyone's trying to put in their head, not like obviously maliciously, but mm-hmm. just like just as a like result of culture and human nature mm-hmm. uh, and their own insecurities that like that there's no doubt in my parents head that like there's any difference in our relationship. Um, and so I start reaching out to my closer um, DNA relatives is what they're called. And a lot of them have no idea. Like, I think I reached out to seven people okay. and six of them, four of them didn't respond. And two of them were like, yeah, like I'll look around. And then they really got back to me. And, sure. and then the last one uh, responds to me another, a week later. And she's like, Hey, you know, you're, uh, you're my niece's son. And, uh, you Whoa. know, like I, I have her email close. and yeah, it was like, yeah. and cause she was like a 50% like second cousin. So okay. that makes sense. Like, she would have been like one removed from like, like whatever the gen, I don't know the whole like dynamic of those things, but genetics, um, family trees. Yeah. And so she had the information for my birth mom and she, she, so she forwarded my message that I had sent to her, right. My, that sent to this woman, um, and forwarded it to my birth mom being like, Hey, I think your son like found me and reached out about you. And then, you know, that's such a weird message to send to because it's just like, how do I kind of like look, but also not feel like I insert, I'm trying to insert myself into someone's life that may not want me there or not that they won't want me there, but it's just like a, it's a sensitive thing or it's She's like, creating a pretense, which, yeah, which but you would have rather not had because you would have rather made your own first impression. Well, not even that, but it means like when I'm sending out these messages to people and the, like the DNA relatives looking, it's like, how do I like come off such that one, I'm protecting my own emotions and two, I'm like not being abrasive or assertive and being like, tell me information if you have it or like trying to feel like I am inserting my life into a stranger's. Okay. I understand. Right? And so I, I, I erred on the side of like a little bit more defensive being like, you know, I'm just looking and not really like trying to reconnect or whatever. Right. Okay. Just trying to gather information for my own self or whatever. And so my birth mom responds to, to this, this woman and she goes, you know, it sounds like he doesn't really want to reconnect, but unfortunately, um, you know, his dad is uh, passed away some years ago. And, uh, you know, if he has any questions, feel free to give him my email and, and reach out right. and, and tell him he's, he's free to reach out. And I, she forwarded me that email and, and her email and, and, that, and that message. And I was like, oh, damn. All right. Well, I guess you know, I have some more questions. I guess I'm going to reach out. How did you feel hearing that your dad had died? Dude, I, had, I have contemplated every single possible scenario over the last, like, from the ages of maybe like 10 to, 21 right which is when i found her i'm 23 now uh i considered every single scenario what had happened to them i was like maybe they're together maybe they're both dead maybe they're this thing maybe they're both drug addicts maybe one's like really successful and the other's not like you know like i put every like years of just possibilities Mm -hmm. right so obviously it was like oh damn like that sucks but like i wouldn't say i was shocked Mm -hmm. because it was kind of just like okay like this is the situation but let's find let's find out some more things about it and then make you know make a at a conclusion. this point would you go as far as to say they felt like characters in your story because you you know they were just roles and you were filling the roles you didn't know what they looked like you didn't know what they were doing now you didn't really yeah. even know how they felt about the situation when they had to you know uh, I don't think I had that kind of awareness at the time okay uh, it was always just like. But even up to the point in which you were asking and then even found out that he was no longer around, you know, like, don't you think that it would have affected you more if you viewed them as more than just like characters in your story? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, being presumptuous. Yeah, so I, I think so. I don't know. Uh, it was kind of just something like this is a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I have parents 
And so it's like I have people who have raised me and have filled that role of parents. Right, right, right. And so it's like I have my parents. My parents are alive. Exactly, right? So then these other people are like... But I also care about these other people in this weird way because it's like they give me life and they're the reason I exist, right? Right, right. So they're not... I wouldn't trivialize them so much as like characters per se. Okay. Because I still have this like emotional desire to know them, right? Yeah. But it, you know, it's just a unique relationship. It's like the way I describe my relationship with my birth mom is she's not my parent, but she's way better than a best friend because I can talk to her about anything because she has, you know, she's young, she's 46 and, uh, and we like love each other unconditionally. So it's like, you don't, you, you have like a lot of love with friends, right? Like there's that, but this is like the love of family with the barriers of friends. Okay. Right. I think I was mostly reaching to get an explanation like that because I, I truly like, it's really hard for me to get my mind around it yeah. and like try I'd to say imagine it's how like it would a feel. cool role that, that, you know, I never knew could exist. Mm-hmm. Right. Very few people would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that ends up coming later, that whole thing. But I reach out to her and, and that whole thing, oh, dude, that letter, like I spent like a week in my journal figuring out what to say to her. Being like, how do I say that, like, I care about you, but it's all right if you don't, like, want to have me in your life, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing, right? And then you just putting yourself in such a vulnerable position of, like, you know, you, you ask someone that you like out, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're putting yourself out there, right? And you're putting <laughs> yourself out there for rejection, and you care about this person's opinion, like analogy, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine that on, like, absolute steroids, like, dude's been juicing for, for months and years. Crazy. Like... Who's I, <laughs> just like shattering, dude. Like yeah, yeah. If oh you're really putting yourself out yeah, there, yeah, it's to, just to like, the most extreme. and it's crazy because now when I look back on it, I'm like, okay, cool, it worked out really well. Now any interaction that I have with another human being that like I have to put myself out there is just so trivial. It doesn't comparison. even compare. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh no, like oh, this person like didn't want to go out with me. It's like, okay, like cool next right <laughs> you know like i, I right I, they were tried my creator to get, yeah, but like, i was like yeah openly, exactly yeah yeah the openly and defensively one of the people that i love most in the world is just like yeah, like I, I put myself Ooh. up to that rejection right yeah and then it worked out and like but just stepping into that 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 light of possibility mm-hmm. is just like oh that was a wild time so you say an email <laughs> that's how you yeah because yeah. that's what i had man that's and crazy. then we we went back and forth on email for a while. How quickly did you get a response? Within 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. She said, I was like, she saw the email. She was at her desk and she was like, I can't not respond to this. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Right? Oof, yeah. Because it's, uh, it's crazy on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. But the craziest thing about that story, though, is that the woman who connected us, she only reconnected with my birth mom a month before I reached out. So if I had reached out in June when I did these tests, she wouldn't have known anything. She wouldn't have known how to connect us. That is really crazy. So it's like, you know, call it fate, call it planets aligning, call it whatever, call it coincidence. Mm -hmm. Like it just like was meant to be. It was the time. It was the time. And I've talked to her, like my birth mom about it. She's like, yeah, I always knew you would find me. I always like played with that at the front of my every action, like wanted to be in a good place when you found me. And I just always like prayed, like not prayed, but just like. I always just asked the universe to um, let you back into my life when I was ready to, ha- to have you. Yeah. And, and I think it was just kind of a both, we were both ready because I had had the tools to deal at this point. I had to develop the tools, develop discipline, develop kind of looking within and understanding like and grappling with these self-concepts, right? And then I was in the place to be able to absorb information like that. And she was in the place mentally you know, socioeconomically to be able to like take me into her life as well and like have time for me. Does she have a new partner or anything? Yeah, she's a husband. Wow, dude, dude. Okay. Yeah. Was uh, she married to your dad? No. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. my dad was 19, lied about being 21, when I was 23. Nice. And savage. They, yeah. And they, uh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, I guess, you know, he'd like tried to ask her out a couple times and he, he was just like obviously going through a lot at that time. And he was, you're 19 years old. You're like dipping, ghosting, like kind oh, of like yeah, uh, without, yeah. without any answers. And my mom, she's just like a mature, like hard human being, like, and like awesome. And so she wow. is, she's like, dude, like, nah, like I'm with someone else right now, like just dating someone else. So she's like, I get it. Like, you know, but you're, you're being kind of immature. Damn. Yeah. But yeah. She's, so she kind of closed him off from the jump. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean like. I guess they, I don't really know the whole dynamic of it, but okay. basically like she had to go find him and be like, Hey, I'm having your kid. 
and then they like i think tried to make things work i don't really know the whole timeline it's a little fuzzy sure um but you know then he they're together and then he leaves and then she's like in the hospital with me ready to go into labor and then he leaves and doesn't come back and then he like doesn't show up to my giving away either when my parents come Holy to get shit. me and then he like comes back in her life like two more like two years later like feeling really guilty and like all this other stuff and then um anyway i end up finding out that he so like i said he, he passed away and i don't remember what year um but i would have been he would he was 27 okay. right um young yeah, yeah. So he got he got kidney cancer and he was twenty six. Oh wow. Uh, and then it was a rare form and and he died within seven months, pretty much. Um and apparently the whole time he was trying to find me too. He like had people looking for me. Oh really? Yeah. Like, I guess right after I guess probably around the time that he came back into your birth mom's life to try and reconnect, he probably started doing that. Because I mean up yeah, until that well, point he see. left. So I know that, you know, the adoption agency the adoption agency closed down. Right, it closed down completely, and none of the paperwork got passed off. So we went like fully like black on like communication between us. Right, so that's why. How is that legal? I, dude, I have no idea. That's crazy. Crazy stuff. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, so it's like there's no record of me existing. Like, like, (laughs) like I have a birth certificate, right? Yeah, that's like fair. But like, as far as like adoption papers, as far as like whatever, like as far as I know, like none of that is around. That's the same. And but we had a year of communication, I guess. So it's like my parents were able to send my birth mother. Um, some baby photos and like a little like handprint or whatever, right? Like a clay thing. And so she had those things and then she had two photos of me and like these PJs or whatever. And so she gave one to my birth father. Apparently he had that on him all the time. And um, at one point he, yeah, I guess so. He starts having people try to find me when he's in the hospital. Right. Um, Yo, you ever see August Rush? Yeah, I did a long time ago. Fucking love that movie. And <laughs> this is just like that. Or, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. So. I'm not. I'm not familiar enough with the movie to. Okay. to that's like to one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I got to rewatch that. I guess. Right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you would like it. It's kind of yeah, like this story. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Damn. I know. I, I think about this all the time. I'm just like, oh. well, you just added all these like super dramatic elements at the very end of what you were saying, like well, him dude, looking for you yeah, and them man. splitting no, up. No, I know it's it sounds ridiculous, but it's, no, it's crazy. But it's. It's what happened. It's man. your life. It's like it's it's crazy. It's the creation yeah, of and, Jack. It's and, the behind the scenes. Yeah, man, it is, and that's it's the inner workings because it's like that's what I think about like twenty four seven. It's just crazy. Like the drive behind everything. <laughs> so we'll move forward. So you get yeah. adopted into this new family. Yeah. How much older is your sister than you? Seven years, six and six and like nine months. And your uh, sister, everything's cool. Yeah, I mean, my sister's fucking smart, man. Okay, she's she got a full ride to U Chicago Medical School after not going through pre med in college. So she was like an English major, and then she. Uh, did a post back at Goucher in Baltimore. Okay, uh, don't know. Which is like, a, it's like, a, I don't know, a school out in Maryland. And <clears throat> so she gets all of her credits that she needs to apply to medical school. Gets a full ride to U Chicago. Doing a residency at U Chicago right now. So she's like, I'm like, cool, thanks for raising the bar. Like, I want to be a musician and you're out there like, getting full rides to medical school and like being a doctor, like thanks for putting the pressure on Claire. Well, like, <laughs> so you mentioned your mom is like the more creative person yeah, in your family. Sure. So is there anyone in your immediate family that no. does any music? No. So what did they think and how do they feel about you pursuing this? Cause most people, they kind of have this it was animosity. Tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think they thought it was, I, I went through a lot of like phases of like, of, yeah, I want to be like a cook or I want to be like, as kids do. Right. You know, sure. like, you're like, I want to be an astronaut or like whatever. Right. And I landed on music when I was pretty young. Like, I knew I wanted to be a professional musician when I was, like, 11. Okay. And... Myself, I did not start falling in love with music until I was, like, 18 years old. Like, okay. in the senior year of high school, I was yeah. already taking all of these STEM classes. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do music. So I was really worried that my family would be like, you, just now you're deciding you want to do music. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it's this tough. is not a good career to be into. Yeah. But they ended up being really supportive. No, like, my parents were always supportive. But, you know, my dad's a lawyer and my mom was raised by a judge. So it's like it comes with a lot of like, make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Like explain to us that like, this isn't just like you have a plan kind of thing. Those right? are two very like financial stable fields to be in. You yeah. Know? For they sure. Make sure that you're yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. Of course. And of course like they raise me and they've adopted me and they care for me and they want to make mm-hmm. sure that like they know what they know about the music industry is from like the eighties and seventies where it's like, so Oh, they're getting different. a deal and so different. Yeah. Right. And like, I didn't even think it took that. me a while to explain to them like the nature of streaming and like coming up and through the internet and like that you don't need that as much anymore and, and you can make moves yourself as Definitely. like as long as you have, have the self-awareness and to like brand yourself and the drive to do it and the talent like baseline talent right um so they were always supportive but they always like were questioning me which at the time 
I did not take very well. Mm-hmm. I was like, you don't support me. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, they really did support me at the end of the day. Um, and then it all really solidified once I got into USC. Like, I was about to ask, like that of was, course, yeah. You know, they saw, they knew I wanted to do that. They knew I wanted to do electronic music, uh, which I came to in high school. And then I was, like, playing in punk bands for a while, played jazz, played piano for a while, too. And um, really liked classic rock to, like, to begin with, like, since I can remember. Okay. And do you still play today? Yes and no. Like, mm-hmm. my chops aren't that great, but I know how to, I know my way around a guitar, I know my way around a bass, I know my way around a piano. But, That's like, cool. yeah. I, if I sat with it and, like, dusted the rust off, you know, for like a couple of weeks, yeah. I could get back. I admire that. I, um, I always, but it's deep down in there somewhere, you know. Yeah. I wish I would have started playing some instruments when I was younger because yeah. it I, is I, a regret I, of mine that I did not keep it up. Sure. Yeah. Because okay, I, I just got so locked in on producing. I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Right. So yeah. why electronic music? Why producing? Um, because at the end of the day, it was kind of like kids in my band weren't really practicing or like I wasn't really playing music that I loved. It was like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. I could hang out with my friends and jam out and this is like play music that we like. But it didn't really feel, I feel like I wanted some, I was missing something. And, you know, when they wouldn't show up to practice or they wouldn't, like, they come unprepared, that was kind of frustrating for me. And then I was just like, all right, like, then my friend was teaching me how to produce just because I was interested in it. And because he was learning or whatever. So he was showing me some basic stuff on Logic in 2013. And then I was dating a girl in high school who was like, international she was like french and polish That's and so she cool. like is super into house music and all that <laughs> stuff Duh, right yeah, yeah yeah and like this is kind of when the bubble is starting to form around avici and like tomorrow like festivals and like all that kind of deal like this 2011 2012 2013 right wow and time. yeah crazy time for music also yeah and i was listening to these songs and i was like i can make these melodies like like these melodies are not complex like complex mm-hmm. at all i just gotta learn the programming like it just became like, oh, I'm musically able to make these ideas. I just need to learn how to like the techniques behind them. Sure. Right. So then I just went down the rabbit hole. And so when did you start producing <laughs> in Logic? I started producing in Logic in 2013. Um, now, that, is that what you're still mostly working today? Not at all. Okay. I, I was in now? Logic for two years and then I switched to Ableton. Okay. Because I, anyway, when I came back from Spain, I lost all my friends in high school because apparently like one of my friends had been trying to hook up with like my ex girlfriend and then like, they had been like talking shit about me to like all of my friends while I was away. And then I came back and like no one really wanted to be friends with me. Wait, what? So they started a coup amongst your friend group. Yeah. Straight up. Ugh. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. So like the the people, very high school, I know, but the people who had always been my friends, like since sixth grade, were still my friends. Yeah. But I saw through the bullshit. Yeah. I mean, like they just like knew I was a good dude at the end of the day, like regardless of what I'd done. And I'd probably like, I, not like I was doing bad stuff. They were just like talking shit. Like, and I was always a pretty reserved kid too. So like, not a lot of people had like dirt on me because yeah. I was just like in myself, like not understanding my adoption. <laughs> I'm so surprised to hear this. And, it seems so conniving. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, it was fucked up. Right. And you don't strike me as someone who like I would set out to destroy. <laughs> you know? Thanks. Yeah. yeah I try surprised. not to be that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what happened, but that's what I heard. Uh, all I knew is that I just was not like I had friends and people were friendly to me enough like but that I'd never felt like I really had like a group of people uh and I had like satellite friends I would kind of just like bounce around on the weekends between or uh and plenty of people wanted to be my friends but I was just kind of like I I don't know I was just like really awkward and and didn't I think like looking back on it as everything to do with not understanding my adoption because I was just like so so much turmoil inside that I just like was unprocessed and didn't realize how that was affecting my social capabilities and I just like wanted nothing to do with anyone at the end of the day when I came back. And like that happened. And right, so do you think that you kind of appreciated it in oh, a way? percent because then that is what put me on the path for electronic music. Okay. So when I was in Spain, I'd already been producing a little bit, getting a lot of backlash that first year I was in DC, just being like, oh, you're trying to be sick or like, oh, this song <laughs> sucks or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, happens. Typical. Like, yeah, you know, your first productions are just absolute crap. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. it's fun. It's fun to look back on them. I still have them all. And, but then when I went there, even though I wasn't very good, all the people in Europe were just like, dude, that's awesome. Like you should do this full time. Like you have a lot of passion for it. Right. I like so I spent a year yeah. getting just gassed up. Right. And like came back and was like, yeah, oh, cool. I have no friends. Like word. Like I know I'm going to do this more time to do this. Right. Wow. And like just completely impervious to like people trying to put me down with it. Right. Mm-hmm. You ever talk to any of those kids now and just be like, what the hell happened? Yeah, dude. Some of them came out to the tour. 
And <laughs> I know, right? Some of the ones that were nicer, right? And, right. And, right. and they're like, no, you had friends. Like, no, you just like, people just like thought you were like weird, like a little weird. Like you were just like this kid that would go to raves and like no one like understood. And like you like would go sober too. Cause like I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't drinking. And, and like, I would just love the music. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that I, would just, be like, weird I would go kids. and like, like take care of people who were like rolling their face off mm-hmm. and like too much and like, or were way too drunk. And I was just like, cool, I'm here to have a good time and like take care of people. I relate to this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so like, everyone's like, no, like we just thought like, we just didn't understand that. And I was like, there's probably some degree of truth to that, but like also like you made no, like zero effort. To, yeah. like, <laughs> didn't even say hi to me yeah, when I got yeah, back. Right. Up. Shit like yeah. that. Like, so, come on. Yeah. Uh, but it was great fate. because then I ended up, I ended up meeting a kid, some kids from my neighborhood and the surrounding area who were into electronic music and they became like, you know, my rave family and like, some of the kids were into production, so we I would just go over to their houses after school and like we would just produce and learn together. Okay. So we were all the same kind of level. And my friend, the main guy I did all this work with, he used Ableton. Okay. And we've learned very quickly it was really tough for me working in Logic and him working in Ableton for us to like collaborate on something. Right. Especially with only like two years of experience. We don't have like a ton of knowledge. So mm. I was better at the software. Just like my brain worked better with the software for whatever reason. So I was like, cool, I'm just gonna learn Ableton. Right. So I just learned Ableton. And then uh, we made a couple songs and he, we like pooled money to get them professionally mixed and mastered. And we went into a studio to watch the guy do it because that's what we were there to do, like learn techniques, right? To articulate our ideas. So then at a local studio in Maryland, uh, this guy gets brought in who like had had a career in EDM already, made a lot of drum and bass. Um, Guy who I've still talked to like when I can because he's just killing it right now. Um, But he pretty much became my mentor. Like he, he gave us his so number and I sent him some songs and then he was like, oh wow, like you have a lot of potential. Like you should just come out to my studio and watch me work and you can pick up some sound design. Like your creative ideas are getting there. And it's like, you can probably pick up a couple of things. So I just went there uh, like maybe once a month for a while uh, out to his, his studio in Frederick. Did that guy open your mind to the business side at all? Yeah, I mean, uh, I started having some success before I came to to USC. Like, I won a remix competition, got a late, like a song signed to Ultra uh, Records in New York, and well, they got here, like I'd a love to talk about million that. plays. That sounds cool. Which was cool. Like, it just like um, when did you start remixing music? High school. Like, so I've been remixing since. Did day you one. get more into remixing or like producing your own well, songs? Remixing was easier because you could have a more cohesive song because the vocals were already produced, which was the hardest part. Right. So like the vocals already sounded nice and you just produce a track underneath it. That's like how I looked at it. Okay. And then all the original stuff I would do was just kind of instrumental. So people always took to my remixes more because people connect with lyrics. I agree. Right. So, and I just like didn't have the lyric writing ability at that time. Okay. Uh, so I was always just focused on producing tracks. And now and only in the last like few months has uh, like my, my f- focus shifted to songwriting more. And like, cause I know I can produce a good track and like I have a sound and style now, like with my production. So I'm like, cool. Now I have to focus on writing songs. So more people like can connect with me like authentically and in, in my authentic art. Do you think that you enjoy a collaborative experience or an independent experience in terms of making music? Largely independent. Um, and, but I need feedback from people. Like I always have a huge network of people that I send tracks to that I know will give me straight answers. Like they're not going to sugarcoat it. Be like, oh, like this is a cool track, bro. That's and I'm so like, cool. Important. Like that's useless yeah. to me. Like I, I'm I not know. just sending you a track for to get a dopamine hit, right? Like mm-hmm. I really want some real feedback from you. Sure. Like tell me what's like what's wrong with this and what sucks. It's so important to tell people that now because I do think we live in a very like yes man society for with sure. all the like it ha- goes hand in hand with the whole like every kid needs a trophy and yeah. all that other kind of stuff. Sure, like, I mean uh, call what you want, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like I would just want people to be real with yeah. me and like because I try to be real. You're with trying people, to make so. the best you can, and you're not going to get better from yeah. a bunch of people telling. You, it doesn't help perfect. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also knew what valuable, like what good feedback was because from day one, one of my teachers who always believed in me, who like pushed me to go to Spain, get out of DC. She connected me with a former student of hers who had been doing music professionally in DC before I even connected with his mentor. Right. Dope. From, and he was the one who kind of really encouraged me from the very beginning. I sent him the first song I ever did mm-hmm. and he was not dismissive. He was just like, Hey, like you just don't know how to articulate your ideas yet. I'll like teach you some basic things. So he would just correspond with me over email. I'd send him like a track every like six months and then he'd give me some feedback. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like wasting his time. And like, you know, I I would get to a point where I was like, I I really have no idea where to go at all from here and like, or what this effect does or like how to make this sound better. I'm going to send it to this guy and ask him some very specific questions. So he has not like just giving me basic feedback. He's just like, 
can answer the questions that I have. Right. So I already knew how to like what good feedback looked like from this dude and the people who give it to me, I try to keep close. Sounds like you were very fortunate in having like people alongside you to help you grow as like an artist yeah. and a person. Yeah. And if That's I think amazing. that came from just me never hiding my passion from it yeah because the more and you I, have good energy bro thanks like, man they have that saying that's like uh it's not it's about who you know but i heard a remake of that which is like it's about who knows you and who yeah. wants to work with you yeah, i've heard that but uh i love that and it sounds like you live by that it's a really yeah good and i don't know that i was always consciously living by it but it's like always going back to my adoption it's like i was given up to have the best life that i could possibly have I knew that from day one right it's like my birth mother could not give me the life that she thought that I deserved. So she put me up for adoption so that I could maybe have that life. Right. right. And now my goal is to have that life. So it's like, I've always thought that music was a, an agent for me to, to live that life. And I've always been like, I'm going to do this. And like, I have clear passion for it. I express that passion for it. I say how I'm going to do it and try to do it that way. And then people feed off of it and they, want to help which is sick and then i try to you know give back because they know that i'm a nice person and you know I, uh, people who help me out I, I i never forget any 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 single person who has ever given me support i saw on your facebook that really amazing thing that you made with like yeah man tell people about that please describe Dude, that. I, I couldn't even fit everyone too i wish i could but um yeah I, I went through a breakup uh in november which was just like a super messy ordeal and which I always. don't really want to get into because it's just like there's no reason to honestly always just, like that like it, it's very similar to what Max was talking about on one of those episodes right with just like oh yeah whole, yeah like, no we're being childish and like whatever yeah like that whole thing is just like that was like that's real and I, I, like when he was talking about it, I was just like oh god why is this like so much like my situation it's annoying and right um but I I was I wasn't feeling great and. I had lost a lot, like a lot of her friends didn't want to be friends with me anymore. Like one of them texted me like, fuck you, Jack. And I was like, all right, like sick. We're doing this. Like mm. awesome. And Childish. It, and it was really triggering a lot of, now that I look back on it, it was triggering a lot of those same emotions of like having lost my friends in high school. Yeah. Right? Sounds pretty similar. And uh, so like that was kind of affecting me. And then I just made this uh, poster. I like to make collages as a kind of another creative outlet when I'm not feeling the music. It's just like another way for me, like a visual reminder, right? Yeah. Of like a good lesson and it's a way really for cool. me to like, stimulate myself creatively if i'm getting frustrated with music could come from your mom making scrapbooks i think it does mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would yeah think so. i do um i really do and so i made this i've done a couple before and i was feeling really alone and like that you know i, I i'd lost like these friends and whatever else and and i just made this poster i just tried to think of as many people as i could who have shown me support over the years and whether that's all my fraternity brothers from Miami and like who just taught me, like gave me an outlet to DJ and have supported me just aggressively since day one. That's like amazing. In there, just like gassed me up completely, like shared my music with their friends across the country, like all these other things. That's right? what brotherhood is all about. Yeah, for real. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not really involved in any Greek life now, but it's sure, just like, sure. that was a really I needed a at that experience. time. I also went to a school in New Jersey. I was there for two years. My experience was that I found like no real friends in South New Jersey. People uh, were not like, yeah really they didn't click with me and they were very clicky you know yeah sure. uh, so i did join a frat as well and yeah. i also like brotherhood's lit it it's was cool. a really good no, learning out of my social like my social yeah. so shell for sure exactly um and, and i was like djing like four times a week too so i was, I was just cool. gonna like, say yeah, if like, you're a dj yeah, being like, in a frat is dope. hot it was dope yeah. um but anyway <laughs> so i try to think of like all these people just to remind myself that i'm not alone right and i go and i source all of these like headshots basically or photos that i have with them from facebook or my camera roll and i put them on paper and I print them out at FedEx office just in the village and I uh, cut them out and I, I sketched out the words love like in big bubble letters. And then I just had all these like, super tiny, like one inch by like maybe half inch by half inch or like one wow. inch by half inch or something like that, like small squares of these people. And then I just filled in the letters with the faces of these people. And then I made this like blended background behind it just to like give it some depth. And just as a reminder, like, Hey, whenever I'm feeling down, like just look up and there are, you know, half of the people that have supported me, right? Yeah, I think that shit is super, super cool, bro. I think being able to, it's so many things in that. Like being able to look back and like realize who really was there for you yeah. and help you, that's super powerful. Being able to express yourself in this like visual way is super powerful. How many people are on the... Probably like 300. 300 people. I mean, yeah. that's and, insane. And like, like I said, like, I, I couldn't even, like I was just scrolling through everybody. my list and like, and there are people that I couldn't find photos for too. So it was just like, because like not everyone updates their social media, not everyone has social media. So it's like, 
there are some people I wish I could have included and like I don't want anyone to feel snubbed if they didn't get on sure, there. It was, sure. just kinda, it was literally just an exercise for me to like feel gratitude and like more gratitude for the people in my life. And, you know, when I posted that, a bunch of people reached out who I hadn't talked to in a while. And like that was wow. great. It reconnected me with some people. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times relationships and friendships that fail that like you don't see every day because people kind of just become ambivalent and they think that the other person doesn't really care anymore about the friendship because you're not talking super like you're not really like on this common uh in this common place anymore and seeing each other frequently and continue to develop the relationship mm. but i always try to to keep those relationships not necessarily like it's obviously super tough but like i try to i have everyone's birthdays in my calendar I like always have a, a one Yo, like yeah, one excuse <laughs> a year at least to reach out right and i do like, the same thing and if if more opportunities come in between then like to talk to them like absolutely great relationships take effort even friendship relationships yeah for sure and and that doesn't mean a lot. I think like just texting someone, just like you said, once a year to be like, I'm thinking of you and I'm texting you because I value you For shows sure. so much. Like, yeah. And you don't have to get into like this. Like, it can. You can when get into did like you the start, catch up. Uh, when did you start having this mentality, bro? This couldn't have been you your whole life. When Sophomore did you st- year of that college? Same, of college, that same kind of year that I was applying, like the, the year that I was like grind mode on USC application. For the few months before that, I'd started like getting into self-awareness stuff because I'd had an electronic duo with my freshman year roommate. Okay. And... It failed. Like we had a falling out. And it was just an immature. Like we were eighteen, kind of thing, and mm. and we're still really good friends. I think and you have a really strong personality, bro. So I can see how yeah, other people, especially when I feel like someone's not putting as much effort into something. Sure. <laughs> and you also seem very like loving. Yeah. So I could see how it might be hard for other people to really like live up to that. So yeah, it's tough, and, that, and that's something that I work on too. Because I have to remember, yeah. like, not like one of the things that I heard. Um, I was in the Tim Ferriss show a lot that year. Um. The what, I'm sorry? Tim Ferriss. You know who he is? I do not. If you're going to get the podcast, start listening to Tim, Tim Ferriss. Ferriss? Okay. Yeah, he has like interviews with like all these successful people. And he draws lines between like what makes successful people tick. It's like anywhere from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Jamie Foxx to like whatever field you can think of. He's interviewed someone in it. Okay. Taught me so much okay. and taught me so many great habits and just ways of thinking about the world and like processes. And so I started kind of like going down the influencer thing like in 2015 before it was really like a, a big thing you know uh it was getting there yeah i, I just had it was in a part of a facebook group and i heard that when you learn entrepreneurship that helps your your music so i started going down the entrepreneurship rabbit hole and then that leads to like gary vaynerchuk and like whoever else right like all these things mm. and then i start going deep dive on the podcasts reading books and and kind of that whole year that like 2016 like the full year from start to finish it was like this slow like simmering of ideas of like this is what I want to do. This is like what all these successful people are doing, like habits, like waking up early, working out every day, journaling, reading, uh, learning social skills, to like maintain good relationships, mm-hmm. these things. So I start actively working on these things, meditating, stoicism. Yeah. Like, um, so I like start meditating, like to reveal all my issues, like one more problems. Then I have the journal to like go to and like write them down and just let them go. Or I can use stoic philosophy at that time, uh, which is like, I don't know if you know anything about Stoicism. Nope. Stoicism is an ancient Roman philosophy. I'm also a huge ancient history nerd. Okay. Uh, but it's an ancient Roman philosophy that's basically just a practical problem-solving guide to life uh, where it's like, oh, you're angry? Like, that's a negative emotion. Like, how do you deal with anger? Oh, like, you can't control the actions of another person, but, like, how do you make sure that you're not getting caught up in that negativity, right? How do you maintain your inner peace and tranquility while still being active in, like, the in the world? Okay. Uh, so it's like it's like active buddhism almost yeah okay um so i'm learning all these problem solving techniques so i'm like all right identify issue learn technique from the philosophy go to the journal figure out how to apply it directly in my life and like how i can cultivate it so then i go back the next day and be like did i do what i said i was gonna do no okay what didn't work try again like just keep hammering keep hammering keep hammering because there's no alternative because like i'm gonna have the best life that i can possibly have and like I, it, giving up is not an option. No, I think that's amazing. It's clearly helped you, I think, uh, turn yeah. to a very uh, intelligent and sure. like, reflective person. Yeah, man. It's a process. Like, I've swung hard on both sides where it's, I have these insane moments of bliss. And then, you know, finding out about my dad, I like, uh, that was a tough one that threw me back to the other end. So it's kind of like you, you, you look over the edge and you're like, is it worth like staying alive for this right now? And then it's like, then I remember it's like, yeah, it is because this is what I'm supposed to do. Like right. I'm not going to waste like bottom line was like that if any action of like whether you call it committing suicide, call it like just giving up even on anything is just like giving up is a direct insult 
to my birth mother for her sacrifice. And baseline, I, no matter what my pain is, I'll never like take that. Like I'll never stoop so low as to like disrespect that sacrifice, right? Right, absolutely so it's, not. It's that kind of like bottom line that keeps me from ever going too far, but is a nice like it's a nice like safety net almost and like a mental safety net. Well, I I speak for the world in saying we're happy that you <laughs> still uh, yeah, look at it that way. I think that's amazing. Yeah. What uh what led you to getting on the road. Well, first, actually, let me rewind. You went back to the remix. So how did you win the remix competition? Yeah, sorry, we're so all over the place. No, right I now. love it. <laughs> how did you win the remix competition? And then what connections came from that? What came from like that experience? Dude, nothing. Like, not, I don't want to say nothing. Um, but, you know, my duo breaks up. We put out a song. Like We spent a lot of time working on the song. Uh, what did you learn from that breakup? That I needed to check my ego. You think so? Okay. Fully, Yeah. Uh, just talking with people about it. And then I like went to all my closest friends uh, and did an exercise that I'd seen on the internet, which was like, go to your closest friends that will be real with you. Like people that love you, but will be straight up with you and say, Hey, what are five things that I'm really good at? And what are five things that I'm really bad at? And then you can get five things that, Oh, cool. Like I should double down on these. And then you can get five things that like, Hey, like this may be some work. And so like of those five people, Four of them had said three things that all, all lined up, right? Which was that one, my ego can sometimes get out of control. Mm. I need to be better at listening. And uh, I don't even remember what the third one was. But like it was like these kind of like basic things, sure. right? That I had kind of considered that, or and that I get defensive. Yeah. Uh, and I was okay. like, I'm not like, my ego's not. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, of course. Like, A natural thing. Yeah, right. I'm yeah, just yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. you're right, aren't you? Damn it. <laughs> and like, yeah. And so then like, that was kind of like shattering for a second being like, I love just like shattering myself and then picking up the pieces and putting myself back together. Like, that's cool. It's super fun I think that's for me unique. at this point. Like I've done it a bunch of times and it's just like go out of your way to be uncomfortable and then like completely change your mindset and then take the things that worked from the last like person you were and like keep those things and then rebuild with like the new things. Right. Definitely. I love doing that. Everything's about growth. Yeah. Like, life sure. is about growth. No, if it you're is. not it growing, really what are you doing? Yeah. So I yeah. It's that's stagnant cool. and it's, it's sad. Um, so nothing but, yeah, too so much. I do this exercise, right? And I start working on my mental health in that capacity and figuring out these things. And then I like didn't really work on music in the, in the wake of that, that, um, you know, falling out, uh, with, with my roommate <laughs> and oh. yeah, but we figured it out and it was whatever we, we, we figured our differences out a few months down the line Good, and okay. it was fine. Um, and so then moving forward, you end up on a tour. Yeah. Moving forward. Tell me about, because it's a very unique experience for Man, sure, right? Yeah. And we can't even really get into too much of the details. No, so, we can't. So I would rather you but just kind of... I'll, I'll let you know how it all kind of came yeah, about please. because that's a whole story in itself was that, you know, I find my birth parents. It's all connected through them. Crazy. I, 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 get, right? I was like, wait, why are you starting with that? <laughs> no, right? And so I find out my birth father died. I yeah. had just finished releasing all of my music as Jack Dugan when I got into USC. So I was like, I have nothing in the bank. I am like ripped apart emotionally. I like have no friends here yet, really. In LA. In LA, in a big city. I'm like, where is music going? What am I doing? I quit music for like seven months. Oh man, crazy. I didn't quit. I was kind of like, I guess I quit. It was like, I just, it wasn't my focus. Mm-hmm. I was like, this could be something that I wanted, like I, I wanted to keep as a hobby, but it's like, I don't really know where I'm going with it. I need a new sense of purpose. I need a sense of community. I need to feel like I can get back. You also so, probably weren't seeing a huge return. I wasn't. If no, you're not re- seeing a return on something that you're investing all your time and money into, then yeah. it would be complicated. It's true. And I just didn't, like, I knew I wanted to like make more authentic, different music than what I was making, but I didn't have the technical like ability at that time too. So I was like, all right, like I'm just going to keep, you know, working on it a little bit and gathering information and keep making small progress. But like, let's start to shift my focus elsewhere. So I thought I was going to join the military and then I was like, cool, if I'm going to join the military, then oh. I'm going to be a SEAL because I'm not going to just be cannon fodder or like, you know, that's a harsh way of putting it. But it's like, I want to be among the best people because well, I'm a driven dude. And so I just start like training myself, like waking up at six, five, go swim before class, go lift after class, eat as much as I can. And like, yeah, just living that SEAL like, life, getting ready, run half marathon after whatever. It's just like push myself to my limits. So did you right? apply? Uh, no, teacher saved me. Teacher wow. put me in contact with a with a uh, retired seal and was like, "You should talk to this guy before you do anything." And then this guy, <laughs> that's so real. Yeah, and then this guy was like, "Yeah, dude, like I got out. Like this is not what the teams were in, in 2003, you know, 2005." Wow. And he was like, "You got to really consider like what you want to do." And like he's like, "I'm not telling you not to do it. Like you got, like and it sounds like you 
I have a good drive for it. But like, you know, consider what the current climate is, what they're doing today, who's running the operations. Like, you know, like you have to consider all those things. So fucking real. And I was like, all right, yeah, check. Like I'm, I'm out. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. But I was like, okay, cool. I've learned now like (laughs) through that whole like seven months of wanting to do that. I'd learned a lot about leadership. I'd learned a lot about discipline. I'd learned a lot about my limits and pushing my limits and like growing out of what I thought was possible. Right. And so I'm like, cool, I'm going to take that mentality. I'm going to put it back into music. Cool. And amazing. And one of the dudes from Miami who I'd had music business class with like freshman year, who was just a boy I'd just like keep in touch with. And I knew he was managing like people in LA. Like he like, he works at blood company. He's like, man, it has like five clients. Now he's like killing it. Right. And he was our age and we just keep in loose contact. And I know he'd seen that I was doing my thing. Right. And I, he took me up with a couple gigs in Miami too, like outside of my fraternity and I did well. And so like we had a good relationship and uh, he was well enough connected that the act that I ended up doing all this touring for uh, reached out to him and was like, Hey, we need a DJ. Like, do you know, a college age kid in LA who's like reliable and like good. And he was like, I got the guy for you. So, and then good. I had two interviews with them and then they hired me and then I did all of their shows for six months, which was like 30 something shows, I think. Mm. And learned a lot. And then, took all those connections um and now i'm launching my new project but uh that whole touring experience kind of it was really cool because it brought me up from being like i have no project i have no idea what i'm doing and it was all dj focused i wasn't producing anything for them so like it taught me how to be a professional performer more than anything right so like i'd already had the production chops like simmering and i was like yeah i was a decent dj but like I realized how much I didn't know when I started DJing with these people. And then they put me in the studio with another DJ and she taught me like everything that I know about DJing now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I got another mentor who just like took me under her wing and was like, you know what you're doing. Like you need to like, like take more control of this project. People and showing belief in you is really powerful. Did you find it inspiring? Did you acknowledge it at the time that these yeah. people were like showing belief in you? Did that it- always. And, and knowing like I'd see these memes too of like, electronic music and it's like that stair meme where it's like people like they're like climbing up these stairs right it's like six people climbing up the stairs and like you know pop music is the one where it's like people trying to reach the top and like other people tearing other people down and electronic music is like everyone like holding hands like from like the lineup because everyone has learned something from someone else in electronic music okay and there's a, there is a culture in what i love about it is that there's a culture of sharing knowledge which I don't see quite as prevalent among other I, music genres. Yeah, I would because agree. Every single person has either learned from a forum, learned from YouTube, learned from somebody else, and is generally like, it, it just chased it with their own curiosity. And there's a general climate of like giving back to different degrees, of course. But sure. like, uh, there is a general like, if you show potential, like I'm willing to share what I have. That's with you, special. Right. I agree. Cause I come from, I mean, I come from, I pay attention mostly to hip hop and rap music. Yeah. And there's definitely a vibe of like, oh, we are all fighting for our lives yeah. here. No one is really trying yeah. to help each other. And it's out. getting worse, honestly, as electronic music gets popular. 100%. But, but you still find those lanes. I don't, like, this is a whole other thing, but we're in the 80s going into the 90s again, just the way that okay. the climate is shifting and music. Like we had these packaged things in the 80s, like labels, packaging, music that was good enough, right? And there's some really great stuff that came out of the 80s, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But like for the most part, it's like a pretty like packaged deal that they're just feeding the populace, right? That's like making stars, right? Yeah. And then you get this counterculture in the 90s of just like, no, I'm like raw and I'm grunge and I'm authentic and like, they give this depth and authenticity that people didn't know they needed. Right. Right. I'm seeing that right now in streaming where it's like people are making songs and and this act that I was working for was making songs and making music and curating their shows such that they could capitalize on streaming such that their songs would not get skipped on streaming, making music for a purpose, not for themselves. Right. Right. And that's something Rick Rubin talks about a lot is saying you got to make music for yourself and it gets harder the bigger you get because you have all these perceived obligations that you think people are relying on you, your fans, your family, your whatever, your, your job, like it's your job, like you're paying it's your, your bills now. with it. So you're, yeah. you're making it a purpose, but you have to learn how to detach and make music for yourself. Cause it's the only way you can make authentic music. That's really going to resonate with people. Super so I'm real. seeing the more authentic that I can be and the more I share myself with people, the more, you know, they, they're receptive to it. And I'm like, people want this level of depth in music that I just don't see generally anymore. Definitely. And you must have taken that to heart because only recently, or I guess only recently to me, I was exposed to music that you were creating on your own. You presented it in Kevin's class. It's recent. Yeah. yeah and you just mentioned that uh, you're going to put out a project. So tell me about that experience. Yeah. How has that been going? 
Uh, it's great, man. Uh, I started the foundation of this project when I transferred to USC. Like I said, I knew I wanted to do, make different music than I was making, just like future bass, pop, EDM kind of stuff. Um, I knew I wanted to make more like authentic, artistic, electronic music that was a little left to center, but not inaccessible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want to be super underground and like still have to have another but job. But definitely original. But like definitely like this is unique, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't, have the, I didn't have the chops. Mm-hmm. And so I just keep getting knowledge, keep getting knowledge, keep getting knowledge, lay down some ideas of like attempts, right? I wish I'd laid down more at that time, but I ended up revisiting them in October and just like cranking them out. Like I was like, oh, I know exactly where to take this now. Oh, like wow, two cool. years later, right? I'm just like, let's kill this. So I cranked out like three songs and like, three weeks pretty much like full ideas of this like out of you know completely cinematic like journey of stuff and i love uh, that word that is super yeah. what it is uh, so, yeah. uh, and i'll say I'll, I'll show you some of the other stuff i uh, the other full versions of stuff that i'm working on um after this but yeah uh so i got really stoked that i was like wow i'm actually finishing these tracks and i'm liking them right this is like wow i'm like really feeling like this is like a good step forward and then i was like it's still missing something it's missing lyrics right right and I'm like, God, right. I've worked with vocalists before. It's fine. It's fine. But I was like, I really, like, I know I can sing. I know I can, like, I have it in me. Like, I know I have a good enough view of the world that I can, like, if I can figure out how to articulate it, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to, it's going gonna to bring, yeah, oh, I, I'll show you the track. Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, bro. I just finished, I just finished my first demo for it this week, which is, I'm super stoked on this Congrats. one. Congrats. Thank you. Um, and... I wanted to perform it live. I didn't want to DJ anymore. I didn't want to like just mix and press play. DJing is like kind of like other people's music and they're DJs that DJ their own music. But I really wanted to take another like, I wanted to do a live show and right. like play one man band kind of setting like of electronic music. Cause I, I just, when I look at DJs now and when I DJ, I'm just like, this is just, it's fun, but it's just like, what is it? It's like kind of, kind of shallow. Right. And, 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 and unless unless you're like a turntablist, which is a completely different art in of itself. Course, yeah. Right. Like, like people like a track like that's that's sick like respect that's an instrument that you're playing and you are just making it hum but like mm-hmm. people that are just like pressing play putting some effects and then like transitioning to the other one and pressing play on the other deck and just like kind of going between two songs it's like you know that's doesn't take quite as much skill and mm-hmm. there is an art to it for sure it's not anybody can do it but it's not particularly challenging and it's stimulating so i was like i just want more and so now I'm taking Timo's class, which is like the 499 M-Tech class, which is like a live performance class. So I'm academically liable to figure out how to perform these songs, which is great. I like <laughs> to put cool. myself in situations to like make myself academically liable to figure out what I want to do in life, you know? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah, because like, then I'm like, cool, I have a deadline because I know if I like don't put a deadline on it, that I'll just like do it forever and like kind of like make semi-progress. So I'm like, sure. all right, let's like just maybe I don't like get the full version of it done like to the extent that I want to, but I at least have a foundation where I can start gigging and like, you know, it, it, it forces me to like, like get on to at it. least start. Yeah, yeah to yeah, get yeah. on to it. Get right? your head yeah, on exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it gives me a foundation too. Because this guy like knows what the fuck he's doing. So That's it's true. like then I can ask him questions, and then that kind of like maybe that mentorship role can come out of it. Maybe it doesn't. Doesn't matter. I'm still gaining knowledge and working towards my goals. Right. Right. So right now it's really exciting, especially like now that I have a lot more time to just like focus on myself and and focus on music. I've been writing more music than I ever have. I mean, it's tough. I like say I have three full-time jobs almost with school. I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu every single day, more mm. or less. I can't quite as much now because my class schedule, but like train hard, right, all the time. That's And I'm competing at the end of the month, so I'm like training for competition. Fuck. And, and I'm trying to write music. And it's just like, like a lot going really on, hard. but you got to stay, you got to stay disciplined on the path and, and, and all those things are interconnected and they all help each other too. Yeah, so it's just, uh, I'm excited. I don't really know when I'm dropping the full project yet. I'm just, at this point, I'm just, trying to make as much music before I graduate to then have options to for branding and for like I know the way I want to brand it. It's called Quinn Alexander. It's the name my birth mom gave me before she put me up for adoption. And it's wow. like the whole point of the project is, all right, I'm Jack Dugan, but more than Jack Dugan, Jack Dugan is just a label that people call me. It's my name, right, that I'm referred to, but it's not me, right? As a conscious human being, I could have been Quinn Alexander, who's a completely different person, right? Mm. Different label, different experiences, different home life, different anxieties maybe, right? Like to some degree biologically, but like, you know, it's like as a conscious human being, I could have been both of these people, but they would have been two completely different people, right? So it's like looking at this duality and like two sides of the same coin and these disparate entities that when combined are, are 
one, right? So it's like, that's how I look at, I take a lot of like all the things from my adoption and all the experience of like what Quinn Alexander would have been. Mm -hmm. I make it so that Jack Dugan's better, right? All the experience that I have as Jack Dugan, I make it so Quinn Alexander, the alter ego, the musician is better. I do jujitsu because it's this martial art that's like way out there and people are like, you do jujitsu, but you're a musician. I'm like, yeah, like it helps. Like everything about jujitsu helps me with music. And so it's like these two things that people don't think go together, they go together. And it's like, I love looking at these things that people like just don't think go together and finding how they connect and making it work. I think your perspective on that is really positive. I think a lot of people in the exact same position would look at it very differently. And so I think just like your perspective on it and being able to find creativity in it yeah. is amazing. I'm super excited to hear. Yeah. What's I've always said this. I express myself better through music than with words. Yeah. I've gotten better at the words now, but like, <laughs> that's just something you can learn, right? What a man thing you know? to say, but yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was always express myself better with music. So it's like this project is like, I want people to be able to like really feel like the frequencies that I like of that emotion that I like and, and see and feel what I'm seeing. Right. I think they will. Yeah. I'm pumped for it. So, so we're going to cool. play one track at the end of this. You okay. want to say the name of it? Do you mind? Yeah. It's called Epiphany. Uh, it's kind of like the, I would call it like the wrapping up track. I, as far as the EP goes, I'm trying to make this progression. And then Epiphany is kind of just like this slow growing euphoric thing that, uh, I haven't really played for anyone publicly. Uh, Sweet. And I just want, you know, the it's an instrumental, but it's it has a strong visual component. And I want people to, to kind of look inside themselves and kind of like come to their own epiphanies. We've definitely right? spoken on that enough. I think people will definitely. Yeah. I'm so pumped for that. Well, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, having you. Thank you so you. much for having me. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> I really uh, yeah. think people will like cool. what you spoke about. Uh, I think your story is really unique and powerful. So I'm really excited that you were willing to share it with yeah. us. Um, thank you once again. Yeah, thank so, you, uh, this week, boys and girls, you got me, Zage, signing off. And once again, I'm Jack Dugan, Quinn Alexander. <laughs> so if you made it all the way through, thank you very much. I love you. I appreciate it. And stay tuned next week for some more. Bye.